Praise Jesus, dear friends. Praise God. May his name and his name alone be glorified in this place. I want to ask, uh, it's a show of raising, raising of hands. Who was at kids camp? Raise your hands nice and high. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. As a parent that sent his children there, um, my son had a blast, and you guys did a wonderful job. I was there a couple evenings. You guys did a terrific job watching the kids, uh, all the activities, all the planning, all the services. Your volunteer work definitely did not go unnoticed. So thank you guys, and may God bless you. Um, Andre preached today about the transformation of the mind and the importance of renewing our mind according to Scripture. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, we as humans, what is our problem? It's not really a problem as much of going to church, of trying to be obedient to uh, authority, to parents, to, you know, the church elders. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, we have a problem of lack of action. If we were just to listen to what Andre preached to us this evening, just that alone, that should, should set the course of our entire Christian life. Just the transformation of the mind and the importance of, of reading Scripture all the time, of literally consuming it, is it's so vital. But it's almost as though we always come to church, to youth, to Sunday, to um, you know, maybe Bible college, maybe we read... Um, you know, at home, we read our couple chapters a day, and we follow a Bible plan. And it's great for us to take in this information. It's great to, for us to be in a body of believers. It's great for us to fellowship. It's great for us to listen to sermons. It's great for us to listen to the Word of God. But what's even more powerful in life is the ability to take action on what we heard. And so I want to, before I even start my sermon, I want to call all of us to start to take action on the things we hear. It's, I think it's more powerful in our life if we were to take action on one verse than if we were to memorize the entire Bible. And so, youth, including myself, including people that are older, let's please start taking action on what we hear from the pulpit, on what we hear from God's Word, on what we read, and what we, um, what we experience in our life that God causes us to understand. The topic of, uh, of this evening is a rather interesting one, and I think it's very important. I think it's very important to, for us to hear this because we all struggle with this. I think from one level to another, we all come in contact with some worry, with some anxiety, with some lack of trust and faith in God and in his word. You know, Andre said, we consume, what was it, 75 gigabytes of information daily, and that's a lot of information if you think about it. And our brain and the sub subconscious has to process all of that, right? And then the interesting thing is that we may not notice that we consume 75 gigabytes of information, which is like 16 movies, but th that's 16 movies in like very high definition, right? That's like four or five gigabytes a movie. This is not, you know, standard definition. This is, high, this is a lot of data is that our subconscious processes all of that and our actions then are dictated by our subconscious. Our, our subconscious starts to work on that information and then it turns us into who we are. It helps us do what we do. We become the people that our subconscious um, starts to believe, our subconscious starts to ingrain in us. And so 
This consumption of information, it leads to anxiety. It leads to an anxious mind. And I think um, two major reasons why I wanted to talk specifically about anxiety this evening is, the first is that I know the youth. I know you guys. I know me. I know human beings. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with worry. We struggle with anxiousness. We struggle with uncertainty. We, we struggle with agitation or dread or fear of the future. We struggle with the lack of control. We struggle with those things. And so that's the first reason why I want to talk about anxiety is because it's a real issue and it's a real problem. And if there was a solution to it, would you guys not want to know that? I think we would. I think we would. And if you, deep down, if you ask yourself, do I struggle with some kind of worry or anxiety? From one level to another, I think we all do. Some of us may experience severe anxiety in our life. Some of us may experience a mediocre amount. Some may experience a light amount. But either yesterday, today, or tomorrow, we will all come to, um, to terms. We'll, we'll face an anxious mind. We'll face, uh, face a level of anxiety. And the second reason why I wanted to talk about anxiety is when I was a teenager, there was a biblical verse that really stuck into my mind, stuck into my heart. And I've been carrying it around since, since then. And it was my personal experience with being able, being able to overcome anxieties and challenges and struggles in my life because of the Word of God. Not because I'm someone special, not because I'm some kind of super disciplined person, not because I'm, I'm able to like set my mind off away from my problems, off away from my struggles. No, but because of the Word of God. And it became very evident to me when I started to face very difficult situations in my life. When I was 19 years old, my mother passed away. Unknown causes. We went to church. We come back home. She's on the floor. She's gone. There's no way of bringing her back. We tried. She's gone. 19 years old. At uh, 22 years old, me and my wife were already married. Um, we were expecting a boy, and it was going to be the first Anacusco boy. And my brother was really excited to see, you know, his, his first nephew. And at the age of 23 years old, which is four years later, I lose my brother to a motorcycle accident. I mean, that, that takes a toll on, on, on a young individual. You guys can imagine, if, if any of you have lost somebody close in your life, you know how deeply that cuts, you know how much that hurts. Um, I've experienced other things in my life when my son was um, diagnosed with this rare blood disease where it, he doesn't have enough platelets. If you guys uh, know what platelets are, they're these, they're these little things, right, inside of your blood that allow your blood to coagulate. So if you were to get cut, right, after a short period of time, after you bleed a little bit, your blood starts to kind of crust over, it starts to build up, and then you develop a, a scab, right? Your blood coagulates. So when you get hurt, when you get cut, when you start bleeding, your blood the platelets start to come together and they form kind of a barrier for you not to bleed anymore. Well, my son, at this time, I think he was three years old, he, um, we started noticing a lot of bruising on his body. Like his back just had like 25 bruises. Like we're not beating him. We're not, I mean, this looks strange. He's got bruises all over his legs, all over his arms, and we think this is strange. So we took him to our pediatrician, pediatrician and we were a little bit, you know, worried because, hey, I mean, any pediatrician that looks at this, at this kid is going to say, man, you guys probably beat him with a stick every day. I mean, look at all this bruising he's got going on everywhere. And um, as soon as he figured out what was going on, he immediately 
rushed us to uh, the emergency room. They found out he has low, uh, low platelet count. But what that means is that if he was to hit his head a little bit too hard, he can have internal bleeding and he would die. So that, for, for a period of like three years, we had to take him to the doctor all the time. We had to deal with that level of stress. And how me and my wife were able to cope with this, how we were able to overcome this anxiety, this worry, this, this stress in our life was through the Word of God. And I want to share this one verse and kind of break it down and meditate on it with you guys to kind of chew it, to, to um, digest this. So then we were, we we're going to be able to practically take this into our life and apply it in our daily life. Um, this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. And if you guys have a pen, you have a paper, please write this down because when we are going to deal with a high level of stress, of anxiety in our life, um, we're going to be able to look back at this Word of God and we're going to be able to rekindle our faith in the Word of God and we're going to be able to restart our... Um, our mentality. We're going to be able to shift our focus from our problem, from our stress to God. Do not be anxious about anything. If this was the King James era, where in the, in the, um, in the Old uh, Testament we have the commandments, thou shalt not have other gods, thou shalt not make any graven images, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. In the New Testament... The Holy Spirit's telling us, thou shalt not be anxious about anything, okay? And imagine if, that, if there was a period there and said, thou shalt not be anxious about anything, that's it. It's, it's a commandment. It's a commandment for us not to be anxious. It would be really hard to do. Like, okay, God, great. I want to not be anxious. I want to, uh, you know, overcome my anxieties, my stress, my, fa my, my fears. I want to overcome those things, but I, I, I can't. Well, it's a commandment. I got to do it somehow, but thank God there's a comma there, not a, not a period. It gives us the formula. It, it explains to us what we're supposed to do in order to combat that anxiety. And, you know, our anxiety is different. From person to person, it's different. Some of us struggle with an anxiety of comparison. We compare ourselves to other people. Some of us, you know, we, we experience anxiety because we're not as successful as the person next to us, or maybe we don't make as much money as they do. Or maybe we don't have as good of a job as they do. Maybe we don't look as pretty as the girl next to us. Or maybe we don't drive as nice of a car. Or maybe we have the stress of being successful in school and in college. And the girl sitting right next to me is getting a 4.0 and everything. And here I am struggling with a 3.0. Right? And we compare, compare ourselves. We're, we're anxious about our tests. We're anxious about how the social media portrays our digital life. We're anxious about how many likes we get or how many views we get on a TikTok video or maybe we're so consumed in social media that we're anxious about being consumed with social media, right? We're just so much into that we're addicted and we don't know how to get out of this addic addiction so it worries us. But we can't break free from this addiction because we're just stuck in, we're stuck in it. It's become part of our life. And so that causes even more anxiety in our life because we can't overcome it. Each one of us struggle with a different level of that stress, a different level of worry, anxiety. Let's go back to the text. It says, don't be anxious about anything. And then it goes on and tells us, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It tells us exactly how we are not to have an anxious heart or anxious mind 
about anything. If we struggle with anxiety, whatever level of anxiety that may be, maybe it's the future, maybe it's the economic collapse, maybe it's war, right? We hear a lot of war going on in Ukraine. How do we know this war isn't going to come on the U.S. soil? We don't. And so maybe we worry about that. We read a lot of news or we hear a lot of news of, of economic collapse, of the real estate market dropping. Well, how's that going to affect me? How's that going to affect my job? How's that going to affect my future? How's that going to affect my education? Now where am I supposed to go to school? What kind of person am I supposed to become? What kind of job am I supposed to have? If an, if an economic recession does come, what is the safest alternative? And so we take all of those things upon ourselves. We take everything upon ourselves and we get stressed out. We get worried. And we live, we live in that state of mind. But in everything, everything, I think, means everything. Everything means social media. Everything means your self-image. Everything means your self-esteem. Everything means your level of success. Everything means your, your job, you earning money. Everything means your, your work, your school, your cars, everything that you do, your comparison to others. In everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And I want to break down these three words, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And this is going to give us our formula for being able to combat anxiety. This is going to give us a formula for being able to overcome the anxious minds that we now have. And it's, you know, it is difficult to overcome anxious minds in a culture and an age when, where we are literally force-fed information. Like uh, Andre mentioned earlier, we wake up in the morning and what's the first thing we do? We grab our phones, right? We open our, our emails or we open up our text messages or we open up YouTube or, or TikTok, right? And what do we see? Oh, what's new on there? And all of a sudden we're fed information. We're given information. We don't want to have time to think about what we want to think. We don't have time to formulate our thoughts and kind of start in an early day. And that information can send us spiraling in a completely different emotional roller coaster. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. It doesn't matter how pretty you are, how good of a figure you have. It doesn't matter how good you are in school. It doesn't matter how successful your ministry is. It doesn't matter how good you are at life in general. If you don't have peace, none of those things are going to matter to you. If you're struggling with having peace in your heart and in your mind, that's the only thing you're thinking about. How to alleviate yourself from anxiety. How to alleviate yourself from the stress. How to alleviate yourself from the, from the mental captivity that you're in. Yeah, life on the surface may look good. It may look great. You may be driving the right car. You may be working at the right job. You may be going to school and getting the right grades. You might be working out and having the right physique. You might be doing all of those things, but if you don't have peace, none of that really matters. And so in this verse, it tells us that not only will your anxiety leave, but there's something that's going to replace that anxiety, and that's the peace of Christ. What are we most anxious about? Pressure to succeed, or at least to fit in with the successful. Our social media, self-esteem, worldviews, and the future. You know, the news scares with wars and the economy. 
The definition of an anxiety. Who knows the definition of anxiety? I'll let you guys think about that one for a second. It's a rather simple definition. But it's basically the feeling of uneasiness, uneasiness, uncertainty, agitation, dread, or fear of the unknown. In Greek, there's a word called merneo, and it's derived from two separate words. Meritzo, which means to tear or to separate, and naos, which means the mind. So in other words, anxiety, which is merneo, is taken, um, is, is the Greek merneo, means your mind is split in two different directions. Your mind is being torn into two different directions. See, when we're anxious, our mind is being separated. Our mind is being torn. You can imagine how much pain you would experience if your arm was to be torn, right? If somebody took your flesh on two ends and they were to tear your skin. Like, imagine how much pain that would be, right? That wouldn't be comfortable. Now, anxiety produces a similar pain in our mind because our mind is torn. It's not, it's not complete. It's not unified in thought. Our thoughts are being separated, and that is painful. And anxiety in and of itself it's a result of self-reliance. It's a result of us putting our trust in ourselves, in our abilities. And I'm all for discipline. I'm all for trying to, you know, carry the load yourself. I'm all for putting in the effort. I, I think that's great when we try to do those things. But when we rely on ourselves for everything in life, and we don't give room for God to step in, and we don't rely on God, we don't trust in Him, then we become more anxious. Because there's so many things in our life we can't control. We can't control the way we were born, right? The, the face that we have. We can't always control the, the kind of grades that we get. Yeah, from one level to another, we can. But we can't control every facet in our life to produce exactly what we want so we don't be anxious. See, when we're focusing on ourselves, we're basically telling God that, hey, God, you're unable or unwilling to see to my welfare, so I'm going to try to do it myself. But then you realize you can't do it yourself. You can't do it in your own efforts. You try. You try to be like your neighbor, right, your ideal neighbor. You try really hard, but then you're anxious because you can't become like them. And maybe you do become like them, then you're anxious about something else. God calls us in Peter to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us to cast our cares upon Him. Our cares, our worries, and our anxieties, to put it on Him. And you know, anxiety and faith, they cannot coexist. If we have faith in God, we cannot have anxiety. And I'm going to give you guys a quick illustration here with this water bottle. So, imagine if I was to hold this water bottle for a minute, right? I could probably hold it pretty comfortably for a minute, but I'm probably going to start to feel a little bit something in my arm. Because, I mean, it's not heavy. It's, it's small, right? The weight is maybe half a pound, but I could probably hold it for a minute. After maybe 10 minutes, I might feel a little burn in my arm, right? Now, imagine if I held this for an hour. How would I feel? Probably start to feel a sensation of burning, not just in my arm, but probably in my back somewhere because my body's trying to you know, compensate for the weight. If I hold it for too long, I'm, I'm going to start to feel a burn. If I hold this for an entire day, I'm probably going to be shaking from pain because I'm trying to hold this for so long and my body's trying to compensate. My whole arm's probably going to go numb if I hold it that long. You know, anxiety is very much the same. We, we tend to think that um, this little issue, this little thing that I'm, that's going on in my life, this little 
lack of, you know, self-esteem, too much self-esteem, not enough self-esteem, this, this um, you know, comparison to someone else, my, my relationship to worldviews of the social media, it's, it's a small thing, it's not a big deal, but, but it's like this cup, we're holding it for a day, we're holding it for a week, and then there comes a point, that's all we can think about is this pain that we're, we're going through, this anxiety, because we keep holding on to it. And Jesus says, all I want you to do is just take your anxiety, and I want you to cast it away. I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to me. And how do we give it to God? Here in this verse, if we, uh, if we keep that verse up there, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, let your requests be known to God. Let your requests be known to God. Notice how it says requests and not your demands and not your ultimatums, right? If we come to God in prayer and we say, hey, God, you know, I've been dealing with this issue of stress, this anxiety, this social media, this, this addiction to my phone, this addiction to drugs, addiction to pornography, addiction to one thing or another, I'm dealing with this, and if you don't take it away, I'm walking from the faith. Like, I can't do this anymore, I'm walking. That's a demand. That's an ultimatum. That's not what it's talking about here. Here it says, make your request known to God. But it gives us how to make a request. Three points on how to make a request to God. Prayer. The first one is prayer. Prayer, in other words, is a form of worship. And hear me out on this one. When Jesus Christ told his disciples on how to pray, remember when, he, when they asked him, Jesus, John the Baptist teaches his disciples on how to pray. We want you to teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, all right, I'll teach you how to pray. And he gives them the model prayer. He, saw, he says, this is how you pray. Our heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys remember the model prayer, right? The focus of the first couple sentences is on God. It's not, hey, Jesus doesn't say, all right, guys, this is, how you, this is a model prayer. You get on your knees and you say, God, I have so much problems. I just need you to solve them for me right now, please. Amen. No, he says, when you come to prayer, you have to worship God. You have to first concentrate and focus on giving God the glory. The same thing is true in our everyday life. When we come to God in prayer, we give him worship. We give him glory. We say, God, may your name be glorified. May your name be hallowed. May your name be praised in my life, in this life. May your kingdom come, right? It's all about your kingdom. It's not even about my prayer. It's not even about my need. It's not even about my, about my wants. You know my wants. You know my needs. And I'll voice them to you. But I want your will to be done. Not my will. Your will to be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The focus is all on God. So the first part of this um, formula for remedy for anxiety is to pray. Is to pray with worship. Is to pray and focus on God. And you know, worry and worship cannot coexist in the same mind. When we are focused on God, when we're praying to Him, when we're worshiping Him, our focus is on Him. It's not on our problems. Because in this model prayer, we see that after we have worshipped God, after we say, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. That's when it starts to talk about our needs, right? We have a need of daily bread. We have a need of, you know, solving or healing our issues and our struggles and God coming and helping us, right? 
But that need, the voicing of that need, the voicing of that desire, the voicing of the problem only comes after worship, only comes after glorifying God. And when we approach God in our prayer with that kind of attitude, that, hey, God, it's all about you, it's all for you, glory to you, and then you bring in your need, um, that is the effective way of, of prayer. The second part is a supplication. If we see... Um, by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? The definition of supplication is strong crying, begging, earnest pleading, humility. The way you approach prayer with God is yours personal. Whether you're on your face and you're crying, whether you're begging and pleading with God, it's your God. You should have a personal relationship with Him and how you come to Him is up to you. But the point here is to come with a humble heart. Come with a level of humility, understanding who you are and who your God is. Understanding that he's not just some friend. He's not a genie in the bottle where you rub him the right way and he comes out and gives you the wishes that you desire, right? And he answers all of your prayers all of a sudden with a yes, all of your wishes. No, he's a, he's a God that is in control. And when we recognize that, he is in control, and we're in a level of humility. God, God's ears are, um, are opened. There's a parable in Scripture of um, this one lady coming to this wealthy man in, at midnight, and she keeps knocking on the door and asking for his help, and he says, you know what, go away. I'm not going to help you. I don't need to help you. But she keeps persisting. She keeps knocking. She keeps knocking at the door, and he comes out, and he says, you know what? Because of your persistence, I'm going to help you. So just so you can go away. I'm just going to give you your loaf of bread so you can get out of here. And Jesus says that if this unright, unrightful person, out of his persistence, helped her, how much more will your heavenly Father help you in your time of need? Sometimes we need to knock a little bit longer. Sometimes we need to pray. Sometimes we need to pray in humility a little bit longer, a little bit more. For God to open the door for us and to hear us. Have you guys ever babysat kids or have brothers and sisters? Or you're a parent and you have kids? I've got this example, right? So if, if a child, say it's your younger brother, it's your younger sister, or maybe a niece or a nephew or somebody, it comes up to you and says, hey, I want a piece of candy. And you say, you know what, no, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to give you a piece of candy. I don't think you should have, I don't think you should have candy. Okay, let step away. Versus another scenario where the same child comes up to you and says, hey, my favorite uncle or my favorite niece, I love you so much. I just want to tell you that you're awesome and I love you. Um, could you please give me a piece of candy? You don't have to, but I, I'd really want one. It, it, I know it tastes really good. And, and if you feel in your heart that you want to give me a piece of candy, um, I'd really love that. But if you don't give it to me, that's okay. Between these two scenarios, which one are you more willing to give the piece of candy to? Probably the second person, right? Or the second scenario. Because they warmed your heart. And I know this is an inadequate representation of God's relationship to us. But humanly, you know, speaking, when we come to God and we petition the right way, we don't, we don't just come to him and say, Hey, God, I need this, you know, need met. I need this prayer answered. 
But we come to him. We give him glory. We, we worship him. We come to him in humility and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, I want this to be gone out of my life. I want this struggle to be gone out of my life. Not my will be done, but yours. I'm sure God, as a father or as a good aunt or a good uncle or as a good brother or sister, when you're warmed up to somebody that's approached you in a more meaningful, in a more intentional, more kind way, is more open to answering our prayers. And the third part is thanksgiving, right? So the first one is, is worship, is prayer, is giving God the glory, giving him praise. The second one is supplication, which is humility, coming to God with a sense of begging, a sense of pleading, a sense of humility, knowing your place in, in this world, knowing your place in life, knowing the control of God. And the third one is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is very simple. It's basically giving thanks. It's giving something to God. You see, we're so used to always coming to God and getting something from Him. And we almost feel like prayer and church and, uh, you know, um, our relationship with God is, should be something like God giving me something. What can, we, what can we offer to God? He doesn't need, you know, our energy. He doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our, our voice. He doesn't need anything. He has everything, but we offer all of those things to Him, right? We give all those things to Him. What can we give Him? That's acceptable to him. And that's thanks. It's just praise. It's just glorifying him. In our prayer, in this request, making your requests known to God, in this request, if we give thanks, we are, this prayer becomes an exchange. We basically sandwich our need. We basically sandwich our anxieties. We, san we sandwich our problems in our life right between glorifying God and praising God. And what happens is this gratitude, this thanksgiving, again, takes our mind off of our problems, takes our mind off of our anxieties, off of our issues, and puts it on God, puts it on Him. And so when we pray, when we pray with humility, we make our needs known to him and we give him thanks, those are the things that allow us the peace of God. And this is the, this is, this is the solution. This is the solution, the peace of God. When we don't have the peace of God in our life, we are going to have anxiety. It's just, it's just that simple. When we don't have God's peace, we're always going to focus. We're gonna, always going to look at something else. We're going to look at our life. We're going to compare ourselves to other people. We're going to compare ourselves to the social media. You know, everything that's going on on TikTok, everything that, all the success that people are having, all the likes, all the, all the dress codes, all the cars, and everything that you see out in life, we're always going to compare ourselves to those things when we don't have peace in our hearts. But the, the way to have peace in our hearts is to first, in prayer, give it to God. In worship, in supplication, and in thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God. And this is where it gets interesting, this last passage here, which surpasses all understanding. This peace of God surpasses all understanding. You know, this all understanding of the wisdom of the world will tell you that if you're depressed, you're supposed to be taking antidepressant medication. And yeah, maybe these antidepressant medication will help you for a time or two, right? But what they do is that they just numb your nervous system. They numb your sensitivity to the anxiety. They numb your sensitivity to the depression that's going on in your life. It doesn't get rid of the depression. This world will tell you exercise, you know, 
Resistance training, taking a jog will relieve stress, will take your, your mind off of the stress and off of anxiety. And yeah, that may be true. I, I love to do that when I'm a little bit stressed out with work. I love to go take a jog and it helps. But what it does is it just numbs your, or, uh, your nervous system from the stress that you're experiencing. When you're really consumed with anxiety in your life, with something that's really going on in your life, it's difficult. What do you think happens when you go for a jog? All of a sudden it leaves your mind? What do you think happens when you take antidepressants? All of a sudden, all of your problems go away while you're taking this stuff? The world will give you ideas and will give you remedies, but they only numb the problem. For, and it works for, for a short period of time. It doesn't get rid of the anxiety. But what does get rid of the anxiety is the peace of God. It's the peace of God. And it surpasses all understanding. And that's what's interesting because we tend to try to make sense of everything in life and we try to, try to say, you know what, reading God's word and, and you know, uh, listening to this, to this sermon and, and listening to this verse here, ah, there's just not enough practical stuff. I need, like, I need someone to tell me that I just got to do a bunch of push-ups. I need someone to tell me that I just got to, you know, I got to eat healthy to, to get rid of my anxiety in life. I need someone to tell me, you know, you just got to go to the doctor and the, to a therapist and you, you got to lay down on a couch and just t tell all your problems to him and you're going to feel better. Like we as human beings are prone to those kind of advice and that's what we want because it surpasses our understanding. Like stuff like this when God says, hey, all you need to do is to not be anxious, is to pray, is to be humble in your prayer, to give me thanks and then the peace of Christ, my peace will enter into your life and you will not have anxiety. It's very simple. It almost seems too basic. And so this is why it surpasses all understanding is because we tend to say, you know what, it doesn't make sense. And since it doesn't make sense to me, it's probably something I'm not going to implement into my life. I mean, prayer, what's that going to do? I'm just going to stand on my knees and I'm going to say, hey, God, I mean, you're God. Thanks for being God. You're awesome. Help me with my need. May your name be praised. Like, that, how is that supposed to help me? Right? But a prayer like that, of course, is not going to help. You need to be able to understand who you are and who God is. Knowing that there's nothing you can change about your situation, your circumstances. You can't just jump out of your anxiety. You can't jump out of your problems. You have to be able to trust God and you have to understand that you need to come to him with an open heart. And the last part of this passage, we can bring it up one more time. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And so what happens is that when we try the worldly ways, right, antidepressants, we try maybe watching movies to numb our minds from, from different anxieties. We try to go on TikTok and feed ourselves with two hours of scrolling. We try to read a book, maybe, if you guys still read books. Um, we try to go hang out with friends to get our minds off of the problems in our life. We, we try to exercise. We try to take our minds off of the problems in our life. But what happens is these problems are constantly still fed into our mind. They don't leave. And that's why the Word of God says... The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So it will put a blanket, a guard, kind of like a shield around your mind where all this anxiety will not be able to penetrate into your mind. Why? Because the peace of God is there. And so you're going to be able to look at your friend and say, you know what? Yeah, she's more beautiful than me. Yeah, she's got it all together. But I know who I am in Christ. I know, I know my problems and I'm working them out with God and I'm asking him for help. I don't need to compare myself to her. I don't need to compare myself to him. I don't need to compare my you know, level of success or my level of income with someone else. That's their life. That's their life. And so we're going to be able to experience the peace of God. 
And you know, when I had these issues in my life personally, you know, the, the death of my mom, the death of my, my brother, my son going through this um, difficult time, and then when I was building my house, I got robbed blind, literally from ground zero. I had nothing, and I was, it, everything was taken away. The only way I was able to overcome and just give it all into, into God's hands is to set my mind, this thing that we have right in here, to set it on the word of God and say, you know what? No glory to me. No shame to me. Like, yeah, I can, I can wallow in my pain. I can wallow in my suffering, and I can pity myself and say, oh, poor ye, you know, all this has come upon you. Your, your parents have died. Your, your brother has passed away. And yeah, it, it, in, in a way, it's, it does hurt, and you have to mourn. And you have to mourn the loss of, who knows, your finances, the, the loss of your stuff that, that got robbed. But when you, in your, in your mind, you shift your perspective and you say, you know what? God, may your name be praised. You probably want to teach me something through this. And we humble ourselves. We humble our hearts. We humble our minds. And we're able to hold on to that peace of God. And we, when we hold on to that peace of God, we're so much stronger in this world, guys. And that's what I want to make um, evident and clear to us, guys, that the peace of God in this time, in this day and age, is what's going to be able to sustain us, is what's going to be able to carry us through all of the information that the world is feeding us daily, daily, all through billboards, through the computer screens, through phone screens, through, you know, our peers, our comparisons. We, we all experience so much problems, so much anxiety. We're so worried about everything. We're worried about the future. We're worried about the current life. We're worried about what we did, you know, a couple weeks ago. And we're always worried. And the Bible calls us to take that worry and to cast it upon him. Like this small little water bottle, right? If we hold it for a day, if we hold on to our worries, to our anxieties, for a week, for a month, for years, imagine how your spirit feels, how your mind feels. And I can't imagine how, how much everybody's experienced, how much stress and anxiety everybody's experienced in their life. And I want to just encourage you guys, please, let's, let's cast our cares upon him. And that way, if we, in everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let our requests be known to God, then the peace of God, which surpasses all worldly wisdom, all understanding, it doesn't make sense, that peace will guard, will guard your hearts and minds, and will protect you from anxiety. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray.